This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Hello everyone and welcome to a magical episode of... Harry Potter's in this. That was really just shoehorned in there. You got me, the zing that must not be named. And me, just Ellie. Oh, don't turn your head to the side. You are not a Harry Potter fan if you don't know what I'm talking about. We're also joined by a very (laughs) special guest. Professor Christopher Magic Pants Cogswell. Ooh. Wow, Magic Pants. pants. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, um, so we have joined forces to watch the first movie in the Harry Potter Yay! series of movies. Um, we are, of course, going to be mainly focusing on the movie, but we'll probably talk about the books, too, here and there. But this is not a compare and contrast, people, so... If we don't talk about something, let us know what your favorite things are. They either cut or we didn't mention, so that's cool. But going into it, as we always do with our movies, let's do our top three moments, and we will start with the Professor Magic Pants himself. <laughs> so, I honestly, so okay, this movie came out, so the book was first published in uh, 1997. Correct. Right, and the American version first came out... In um, two thousand one. Oh, oh, the book. Sorry, sorry, the book. I th- I didn't know if you meant the movie or the book. No, no, no. When when was the the American book? When did that first come out? I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, so I think I think that came out in ninety eight. Same thing, mm-hmm. right? Like around ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere yeah. around there. I remember getting the book. In uh, I remember getting the book. I got it as a paperback for Christmas, and I read it like that weekend. And my um, so this book, when this movie first came out, it was like everything about it. Like I had all in my head built up how these characters looked, what Hogwarts looked like, mm-hmm. right? What uh, Diagon Alley looked like, all that stuff. So for me, my top moments are probably the my top moments are just the introduction of these areas that I had fallen in love with. Right. Okay. I think probably one of my favorite one of my favorite is the scene where the um, where they move to the little island. Oh. All, of the, all, all of the all of the mail comes yes. right. All the owl post makes its way there, and I remember I remember thinking how how amazing that that was, and it was so different than how it had appeared in my mind. Even then, when they finally get to Hogwarts for the first ride over, right? That was I mean, I'm still I'm getting chills even just thinking about it. That first scene where they finally you know you see the castle off in the distance, and then I think. The other kind of my other favorite scene is probably when uh, probably again when you finally get to see the Great Hall like that whole series mm-hmm. that the first the first like 45 minutes of that movie to me is just are just gold They're It's amazing. It's drenched in nostalgia for me. It's drenched in memory. And it, I just I love I love the whole thing. But those three moments stick out for me. All right. Ellie, you want me to go next? Sure. All right, mine would be the I I, I I definitely enjoy Chris's answers and everything. I it definitely resonates with me as someone who read the books first, of course. But um, my favorite moments from the movie would have to go 
seeing the Quidditch game was really cool to actually see it. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty cool with yep. that in that regards. When Harry gets like his wand, the one that he's you know, the one with the phoenix feather and everything, and it has like the 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 light around him and the wind and everything, and it's like oh that's the one that I I thought was a great moment because that's like I guess when he truly becomes a wizard or realizes you know he's a part of this world now. So I I, I like that the way they did that scene and the chess game at the end. And I actually had to cross-reference something because I I, I knew that... I, I enjoyed the whole life-size chess game and everything and, and all that. Because that, that was cool. And, of course, with Wizard Chat, they actually bash each other. But it made me... It reminded me of something. And I'm going to detour for a split second. There is an episode of The Simpsons where, Mr. where it's pointed out that Mr. Burns actually has a life-size chess board. <laughs> and it and I, I I looked it up because I'm like I'm gonna figure out which episode that is. It is from season twenty, tw- uh, sorry, season twelve, episode twelve, tennis the menace. It's when the Simpsons get a tennis court in the back of their yard. Burns comes over to play, and they said, "I thought you had one." And then Smithers points out that they converted it to a human-sized board, and it then shows that board with all of them just randomly standing around. They beat up the king. Because they right, realize be, Burns isn't there. I was gonna say I, I you, when you said season twenty, I was like, oh my goodness! It, no, it, it was it was twelve. It, it was twelve. Okay. I, 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 I was I, like, how did he last a season twenty? Yeah, but but no, I I, I just I just love that, that 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 joke, and then seeing this kind of made me go, ah, The Simpsons. And if you want a Simpsons, did it? I don't know how you want to do this. The movie came out the episode of the simpsons that had this in it came out in february of 2001 the movie came out in november yes it was part of the book but i don't know if you want to call simpsons did it on that one but those are my top three things and moment i mean moments from the movie ellie um well you and i are very similar i had um one of mine was the wizard's chess scene i also loved it mm-hmm. i thought it was really cool it really shows Ron for the first time is having a you know a courageous self-sacrificing type of character in the movie up until then you're kind of like what is this guy (laughs) he's ridiculous he's obviously there for the comic relief but it was nice to finally see him have his moment of bravery so I did love that part of it um my second that equals yours is the also in Ollivanders. I absolutely love that whole scene when he holds the wand too and he and he's and the guy's all like, you know, dark and deep about it and he's like, Oh, curious and you know, and he talks yeah. about who else has this, you know, Phoenix tail feather shared. Um I, I thought that was really cool too. I did have one different um scene than you and I really liked uh the end where Harry touches Professor Coral slash Voldemort and his, you know, his hand like stone, disintegrates yeah. and then his face and his whole body. And he always straight up murders a guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's very interesting. I I actually really liked that and sometimes I wish that I know it gets dark later on in the series, but it it really kind of showed how powerful this little boy is probably going to become one mm-hmm. day. Um, so, 
those are those are kind of my favorite three moments. Awesome. Well, we had some crossover with all of ours, so yes. that's always a common thing. Um, the next thing, and this is a special thing we're doing for the Harry Potter series, everyone. We are going to do our favorite magical item that was introduced or shown in said movie. Well, item or spell. Item or spell, sorry. Some, something magical. Something of magical origin. Right. So, once again, Chris, we're going to de facto to you since you are the guest. So... Honestly, one of my favorites, I think, is the uh, the mirror of Irised, mm-hmm. right? Where uh, it's this it's this for those that don't know, it's this magical mirror that shows you what your greatest desire is, and it's shown in it, it's shown in these very interesting moments because it gives a really a, a strong indication of what the person's desires are what this person's really driven by and it ends up playing an important point in the final moment of the film where you know it's how harry is manages to get the philosopher's stone is by looking into the mirror of irised and seeing himself with the stone and then it magically appears there um, because it, he has no intention you know he he is not going to use the stone for evil and so um so it's i just think it's an interesting concept overall it's a really great item and it's also one of those things where you know one of my favorite parts about harry potter is going through and like i remember the summers between when the fifth and sixth book came out and then the sixth and seventh book i remember furbishly being on um well i can't remember what that what the site was called i think it might have been called like diagonalley.com or something (laughs) but there was a harry potter fan site where the leaky cauldron it was called the leaky cauldron (laughs) And it was this huge fan site that had these, you know, these great theory threads and people would dig into this stuff and, you know, who's the Half-Blood Prince? How is the series going to end? What is, you know, what's going on with all this stuff? And I remember the Mirror of Irised was part of a lot of those discussions. Really? But it's, one, hmm. it's one of those, it's one of those items that uh, Rowling puts into the book early and then you don't see its real usefulness or you don't see how it plays in until the end of the series, right? So another really great example of this is the um, Ravenclaw's diadem. Yeah. Right? Um, it's shown – Harry is in the, the room of uh, the room of requirement, requirement and he just throws it behind him. He's like, what the hell is this stupid thing? Turns out it's a, it's a potential horcrux, right? So um, super fascinating. So anyways – that's the mirror of Irised is my favorite. It's like starts this really cool trend in the series, and I think also it's a it's almost a very scary thing. Like you, who knows what you would look what you would see looking into it, doesn't, right? Because doesn't Dumbledore point out that you know people have wasted their entire yeah. lives like just staring at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that's that's why it's sort of a it's it's a very dangerous magical object but you don't realize how dangerous it is and i think it ends up playing into one of the larger themes of the books and the series overall which is that you know some of the most powerful magic comes from desire comes from love comes from these deep rooted emotions um hate and fear and right like so this mirror if you are a pure a pure of pure heart or a pure mind you will see something, you know, he says the happiest man in the world would see himself himself. exactly as he is the most, you know, uh, the, but the most miserable would see themselves likely, you know, um, as someone wrought with desire that they can never have. Right. Yeah. So 
it's and dump that last part I added myself. I don't think Dumbledore says that, but it's it's fascinating. And then when Harry asks him what does he see, Dumbledore says a pair of nice woolen socks, right? <laughs> but we find out later in the series that what he actually sees is very similar to Harry. It is his family alive and whole again, yeah. right? His family that has been destroyed by similar, very similar to Harry, destroyed by evil magic. Um, Right in in Dumbledore's case, it's Grindelwald, but in Harry's case, it's Voldemort. So I just think it's a it's a very touching and and really as a eleven year old kid, who kind of had a, uh, I I identified with Harry Potter, so, in so many different ways, you know, um, that having him desire to see his family sort of, you know, happy and alive and things was very touching to me. It was very poignant mm-hmm. for me. Nice. Um, Ellie, <laughs> or, um, or do you want me to go? <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't matter. I I would say my favorite item is the Golden Snitch because I just love Quidditch so much, and it's just so cool to see all that. Um, and I loved the whole scene with when he was with Oliver Wood, mm-hmm. and um, he was learning about the different balls and what they do, and it was just such a cool little scene. Um, so I would say that would be my favorite item. And then uh, I really liked the whole meaning behind, um, I always say this stuff wrong, I have to be careful, Petrificus Totalis. Um, (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) um, When, you know, Hermione, of course, is being all B.A. like she always is and uses this, this spell on poor Neville. Oh, um, poor Neville. I know. Oh, Neville. Um, Neville had two spells used on him in this in this movie. Actually, does anybody know what the other one is? You watched the. By by the way, this is a fun fact. Ellie watched the extended cut. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Which um, you kind of determined you don't know how extended it was. I do know now. Oh, you do. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the other spell that poor Neville. It's okay because. He looks great now, but poor Neville, Locomotor Mortis, was, uh, old Malfoy did that one on him. And And that's where his legs were stuck together. Yeah, he locked, his legs were locked together. Um, But I I loved some of the, it's the first time we see some of these spells, of course. Mm -hmm. So those two, though, I, I really liked the two of them. Well, my favorite magical item or spell would be the early 2000 CG, that age phenomenal. Oh, no, God. it did not. <laughs> no. I have notes on that. <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I have a serious one, but <sighs> it, the, the animals didn't get me. It was the Quidditch scene where uh, yes. you saw the people's faces. Like, it, if, it if, bad. If, if you saw them from, from like the behind or them just showing like a behind them shot. I, I it didn't bother me, but the second you saw like someone's front face, I was like, "Oh man, this this this." And Neville, like when they first oh yeah, where, the where, rooms yeah, where Neville's he, falling. Yes, it, uh, that was bad. Too. Not, I I understand yeah. that th- this movie was made on a certain amount of budget, right. and they had to prove themselves and this, that, and the other. But I, it's just was one of those things I forgot and seeing. Did it, I was like, not Ooh. age well. No. Yeah. See, now, that's the problem with looking at these things. Like I. So the other part of this, the Harry Potter video games were actually really good for a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember those. I don't, I don't. I don't know if really good. That's the thing. I they were decent for. Being, they, I, they were decent. <laughs> I remember them as being really good, and I remember spending hours.
hours, especially Chamber of Secrets. I remember spending hours on the broomstick, just like flying around Hogwarts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I downloaded it for I downloaded it on an emulator the other day, and it is rough. <laughs> it's like really, it's like unplayable almost. It's so bad, dude. That's um, why you play the Lego ones. The Lego exactly. Harry Potter yeah. games are awesome. <laughs> they're gold. They're they're complete gold. No, yes. Lego's Lego's games are always great, but it's so <laughs> it, like and the same thing happened to me when I was watching the movie was I like it again in my head I had these I rem- you know you remember the good things, right? I remember yeah. these grandiose scenes. I remember Hagrid kicking in the door of that yes. little island house and you know, you're a wizard, Harry, right? I remember all that stuff. I don't remember the ridiculous looking centaurs. I don't remember <laughs> the I don't remember the falling from the broom stuff. I don't remember, Ooh. you know, the flying keys like oh goodness. I will give it Rough. to them. At least Fluffy looked vaguely okay. Fluff yeah, Fluffy did look pretty yeah. good. But, but by comparison. <laughs> yes. But but my right. but my my favorite magical item would have to be Hagrid's umbrella, which is actually his wand. Yes, I enjoyed that. Um, I know there's so much stuff. Uh, I did have the snitch for a little bit as well because of the... But I took it out because my reasoning was the part it plays later on in the series. Mm. So that's why I was like, I'd rather pick something that's very iconic to this one. And I always remembered that that um, umbrella he carries around is actually his wand. And fun fact, in making, in looking up and making sure I was getting my facts right for this, it is actually the longest wand in the series at 16 inches. Oh, wow. Apparently. Well, Hagrid's, Hagrid's the tallest, I think, the tallest magic user in the series, too, right? There, I, his, I'm assuming so. I'm sure someone father, will correct us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his, you know, it's actually funny. After I said my serious answer, I remembered a much better one, which is actually Neville's Toad. I loved like I was so enamored with the idea of having a toad as a pet I had so I always had like geckos and uh, mice and stuff and like you know we always had a cat and whatever but I remember the toad I remember just always being like I'm an owl too like all the pets I remember like even now I really want to have a raven as a pet they're supposed to be really smart but they're like very hard to train they're you know whatever but um Katie's grandma, though, has the ravens on her property. Like, they're, like, on lock with her. When she comes home, it is, like, a scene from a horror movie. The, the ravens <laughs> fly from the sky and start squawking at her. And they follow her, like, up to her door almost. And then she'll, you know, give them seed. But they know, like, this, you know, grandma comes back. It's feeding time, yo. Okay, Odin. Um... Terrifying. Yes! <laughs> I would love to be Odin. Come on, pluck my own eye out. <laughs> Sorry, the, the the second you said ravens, I'm like Odin. Odin every time. Um, I no, I I, I said I I want to do the snitch, but but the wand was a good thing for that because I was like it, it's just I just remember it from reading the books and seeing it. It was really cool. But um, we're gonna go to a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna start breaking down this movie a little bit more. So we'll be right back. Hey, Ellie. Yeah, Zinger? You want to know it's almost as magical as going to Hogwarts? I can't imagine. Using a pair of Studio headphones. Yes, yeah, Studio has sent us a pair of their Trey headphones, which are their Bluetooth wireless sports model headphones. They are sweatproof, have 10 days of standby power, and 9 
hours plus of active use. I have actually been using them recently at the gym as well as the episode you're listening to was edited with me wearing those headphones and listening for sound quality while I did my editing. That's awesome. Yes. And you want to know what else is awesome? I'm not sure. Us giving you a promo code to magically make 15% of your purchase disappear. Disappear. Yes. Yes. We are giving you a code that gives you 50% off your purchase from Studio. And that code is Zing This. And that's Z E N G T H I S. Yes. So just use that at checkout from Studio. Or if you want to go down to the description of the episode, there is a link there you can use. And by the way, you want to know what even makes it more magical? They're owls don't cost anything to ship. Yes, the owls they use to ship out, free shipping worldwide. Post is free. Yes. For more amazing audio magic, go check out Studio. All right, so as we've all established, we have read the books and we have obviously watched the movie. Something I wanted to point out is I do feel at times the movie relied on that you had read the book. I don't know if anyone else kind of felt that way. They, you know, they always kind of do this with with books that are very, very long. Or the so the first Harry Potter movie was the most the most faithful to the books by far. It is, and I think has the best Dumbledore. <laughs> the, Interesting. You think he's? You don't think? No, he's no, the no. Best I, I just, I, I, my, my thing was it was the whisper talking that that, that got me. <laughs> oh, dude, no way! I thought Dumbledore had to be this like far away, uh, difficult to understand. I had a, I had a, I had a, not a principal, like an assistant principal, I guess, in elementary school, who, or I guess he was like my sister's, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Who would whisper? Because it made people get close to his face so that he knew they were really trying to listen to them. Oh, that's, right? that's actually a good and I point. Remember, and I remember finding it so intimidating because it's like, dude, I'm listening to you. I don't want to have to like – my hearing is bad. I'm yeah. self-conscious about it. I don't want to be like, what? What? Speak up, you idiot. Like, why are you like – do you, do you agree? <laughs> God. Oh, anyways, whatever. Um. So, what was the question? <laughs> no, no, I was, I was just saying how, how like, I feel like the book, like, the, this, this movie kind of relied on people reading the book or being familiar with the book oh, at certain yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, yeah. and I understand this movie clocks in at, you, I'm sure Ellie's going to point this out and correct me, I think it's two hours and 30 minutes-ish for the regular cut of it. I know, the extended is around seven minutes more. Okay. So somewhere around two and a half hours ish okay. for either right. cut, and there was a entire. I mean, yes, we're gonna probably get into entire chapters or entire plots were cut out of this. Once we get deeper into this, I really wish they had the opening scene with Dursley going about his day. Yeah, it, that, that part of it is amazing. Yeah, it just I I know it would have added maybe five minutes to the movie or something, but it would have been great to have that. You don't know who this guy is if you haven't read the books. You just mm-hmm. see him sort of get in his car, kind of give a harumph at, at, at these people dressed weird and celebrating. You see owls everywhere, and then and then pick up with the movie Well, yeah, afterwards. because it would really explain why he's so against the magical world. Yeah. Because like, you don't really see that. But, yeah, and I agree. I remember 
because I recently reread the first one with mm-hmm. one of our daughters. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fun reading that whole part where he's going to work and, and yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, trying to backseat direct, but I'm like, just, just a five minute scene. Like you could have the credits going over it. Just something, just, just, just a quick, you don't even have to have any speaking. Just, just him, just, just being obviously ill, ill mannered towards the world that, that day, because he just is not enjoying what he's seeing. Cause he doesn't know it's magical stuff. It's just, it's, he somehow through time and space is able to know he doesn't like it. And it would have been a great thing to kind of establish that because then Romagonagal's like, oh, these are terrible people. It would have given reference to that. But like, like I said, you, you have to cut somewhere. I mean, if this was completely faithful to the book, this movie would have been eight hours long. For- I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, I somewhat disagree with not that part of it. Okay. I do agree with that part of it. I, I somewhat disagree with they're going off the fact that you've read the books. I don't think I- so. I just kind of feel like there was certain things, like him getting the Nimbus and stuff like that. I'm like, I feel like there was a whole scene to that. Like, like I said, maybe I'm just misremembering stuff too from the books. I, no, because yeah. uh, see, I don't know. I I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I I feel like the reason why this series did so good is because yes, a lot of people read the books, but a lot of people didn't. Well, I, I have a positive yeah. thing on on the other side okay, of this. Okay, well, just let yeah. me finish talking. Okay, I know you love uh, Ellie. To talk. Ellie, Ellie is on her broomstick right now. Everyone, back off. <laughs> back off, witches. So, um, <laughs> and that's I, I feel like listeners should keep account of how many times we're going to do that. Um, so the thing is, is as obviously we're trying to just focus on this first movie, but it makes it more obvious as you go throughout the series that they kind of dumb the movies down so that you don't have to read the books and they only focus on the main big stuff that they think that the general audience is going to want to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause we'll discuss it when we get to that book, but there's one, one movie in particular that stuff was left out that I was just horrified that it wasn't in the movie, but that's just me being a dork. But if I just go in and just watch the movie, I never know that it wasn't supposed to be there. And as a movie, it's fantastic. So I'm just saying, like, it's nice if you've read the books. Because, yes, of course, with any movie where you've read the book, you go, oh, oh, that's that or that's that. Mm -hmm. But I I don't think at all that these movies you have to read the books for. I think they're fantastically fine on their own. So that's why I disagree with you. I I don't think they really... I, I, I just I felt like so. certain moments they they they. Well, yeah, assumed. that's it with anybody though. But it's yeah. I think overall the the movies are fine. You don't need to read the books. I think that so I actually think that actually kept me from watching the rest of the movies. I only got up to Gob, uh, Goblet of Fire. I haven't watched any of the other ones since Goblet of Fire, oh. because I love I, I reread the series of books like once a year. Okay. Um. I absolutely love Harry Potter. Like I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. And so for me watching the movies, I like, I got very frustrated that a lot of the stuff from the books that I found to be the most enjoyable, which was the, you know, the connective, the connectedness of the world and picking apart these little mysteries and little specific things to get as much, you know, almost ringing out of this book as much information and lore that you, as you can get that stuff doesn't translate well to movies. Right. right. And but I think that in general, like you said, you I don't think you really need to know the, the lore of Harry Potter or 
know have read the books to enjoy the movies. I mean, I know a lot of people who have seen every movie would never watch the books, like you said. And uh, you mean read every? I mean, I mean read see- every. <laughs> have watched every movie, but haven't read every book. I almost messed that up. <laughs> yeah, but have uh, but have enjoyed them still immensely, right? The thing, the part of it that I that was frustrating for me. This this scene I think could have done could have had a lot of benefit in the movie was the removal of Mrs. Fig as a character completely, right? So Mrs. Fig is Harry's Mrs. Fig is Harry's older neighbor mm-hmm. who always has him over and is always trying to be nice to him but not have too good of a time, whatever. And the whole, you know, she's only mentioned a couple times in the books that he was at Mrs. Fig's house doing chores for her or whatever. But then in like the fifth book, you find out Mrs. Fig is a plant from Dumbledore. She's a squib, so she's non-magical. But she was put there specifically to watch over Harry and make sure that he was protected. Like that turnaround when Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Fig comes out was like, I it blew my mind and I loved it. And so her not even being mentioned in the books or in the movies rather or included. Same with... um. Same with Professor Binns, the uh, history of magic professor. I love the idea of a ghost professor yeah. who just, yeah. you know, can just drones on and on forever. That's hilarious. Like, uh, for me, it's mostly the characters that never made it in that I wish they would have at least uh, shown some kind of an homage to or something. But I, but I have the same view of like comic book movies too. I'm always like, yeah, where's that, Moon Knight? Yeah, why don't I put Moon Knight in the background? That's like. That's what was dawning on me. I'm like, I'm gonna sit here and argue that you know, obviously you should have. If if you had read the book, you would have gotten more out of this. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, if I'm sitting in a comic book movie, they make some reference, to something, I'm gonna be like, I got that. So yeah, it's okay. it's one of those things. It's more. I, I guess my my thing was I miss I misspoke, and it should have been. It's more rewarding if you've read the books. Oh, I mean, I mean that's I think that's true. But that's but that's any I, medium, yeah. I guess, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, like Lord of the Rings. I remember hating the first Lord of the Rings movie when I saw it and then I read Lord of the Rings and now I'm like, I devour those books mm-hmm. and I've completely fallen in love. And it's like, now I watch the movie and I'm like, Oh my God, look, they're walking. I'm so happy. <laughs> you know, when I watched it, I was like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I was like, they didn't do anything. There was no action. What the hell? You know? So it changes. Now on the other hand, uh, now to play devil's advocate with myself, the movie does do a good job, I feel, of introducing a lot of magical concepts and not heavy-handed sitting there making it feel like boring, someone just droning on, explaining everything, because it's Harry learning about the magical world. You have first your students who are learning about the magical world, so it gives the audience the ability to ride along with them for that. So I, I like that because it wasn't just someone sitting there, sitting someone down and explaining to them a, B, C, and D of the magical world. It was you kind of got bits and pieces here and there that explained the world. So I enjoyed that a lot. And that did a lot of times fall on the shoulders of Hermione, who ironically is, of course, um, not of magical descent either. So I thought that was also cool that out of everyone there, because I know that comes to be, a, to be a big thing later is what's your lineage? You know, are you a family of wizards or not? that she is not she's muggle born and she's like hands down one of the best witches they have so i i just i i i just enjoyed that setup of that character yeah so i really love hermione's character arc as well i also though like i love the weasleys 
I, I love uh, I love Ron and his family and stuff. And I, I actually yeah. really like the way that they showed them in the movies too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it I had a completely different view of what those characters looked like in my head. You know, and and I actually thought that the, the movie, just the view, like the look of those characters, the movie made so iconic and specific that to me it was like okay yeah that's that's exactly what they look like like i have a i have a hard time i don't know if you guys have any merchandise from before the movies came out um that you still you know have around your house or whatever but i had a harry potter like a puzzle and then a a coloring book or something if i remember correctly and the puzzle shows the characters and they look so different than they do in the movie oh and so you know so much i mean not like not intensely different but like hermione has much more, you know, bushy hair. And did they go Ron with the? Is a lot... Did they go with the artwork that they used for like the books? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it's the same artist as does the books. Oh, wait, but after on. actually, I want the books right beside me. <laughs> <laughs> but after the after the movies came out, they changed the look of the books. I felt like too to better match what the. Uh, to better match kind of what the movies characters portrayals looked like, and I you know. But I actually think the movie did a really good job of showing these characters and kind of putting in people's minds what they look like. Mm-hmm. No, I, I actually that, that that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I know we normally do plot and stuff, but I mean, if if you're listening to this, you, you've obviously probably seen the movie, and I think we've gone over it enough. I don't know if Ellie wanted to touch on anything else, um, like the plot and stuff like that, before we delve into like the characters and the casting. Because I want to talk about the casting of this movie. No, no, we don't have to go over the plot, I wouldn't think. Okay, cool. I, 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 just, I just didn't know if I was going to jump past that, because I don't know if we're ever going to cover that in these movies. But, um, So the casting. I don't know about you guys, because apparently we, we all have different opinions about this. I thought the casting was spot on for a lot of the characters, from what yeah. I can remember and everything, of the characters. So... I, I, I just I, I I loved a lot of the people they, they put in in the places for them. Um, of course kid actors, so I mean you you don't have the best of stuff sometimes with them, but I I thought they all grew into the roles a lot uh, over time and everything. So that that was just something I, I I loved all the casting they did. I don't know if anyone has any particular ones. Uh, oh, well, Alan yeah. Rickman, of course, for me oh, as Snape gosh. is what was yes. a, he he played the role so well because. Like, you as Harry, you don't know if he's good or bad the entire time. And he did such a good job of just being kind of this menacing, looming thing over the the main characters for a majority of the movies, actually. Right. Well, yeah, because it always, it was such a good way of going, is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? What's, cause you What's could his never, deal? Yeah, you could <laughs> never really tell. It. He kind of really tinkered back and forth mm-hmm. with that. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted to to go back real quick to what you said about the, the kids. They grew into their roles. I mean, they grew into their roles because they grew up on screen. I yes. mean, the span of time it took to make these eight movies was a while. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, these kids did start out very young. And by the time they were done, they were, <laughs> they were adults. So, it is really, it is really cool especially if you have time to kind of go from the first one all the way through and watch them in a... Which in a, we're doing. <laughs> yes, in, in a shorter time frame and really see how crazy it is that they, they grow up. But yeah, it, it is really, really interesting. I So I always had... So 
I thought that the casting of, I mean, obviously Snape was amazing. I thought they did a good job with with Harry and Ron. Um, the whole Weasley family I thought was pretty good. Uh, Hermione again, like in my mind, Hermione was supposed to. Again, her hair was supposed to be much more unruly than it is in the movies. I actually, watching the movie, I forgot how much they had it that way in the first movie. Like, how... I mean, I know it was supposed to be more, but still. I think think the first movie does a good job of it, but over time, they kind of made Hermione more... You know, like, they they made her more of a kind of conventionally attractive, I think, character. Doesn't that happen in the books, though, too, after a certain point? No, they actually make a point of... Um, during the Goblet of Fire, they actually make a point of her changing her appearances or changing her appearance with magic for the dance specifically to look different. And, you know, they talk about, you know, shrinking her teeth and making her nose smaller and whatever. And, you know, that's when Ron is like, oh, my God, Hermione, you're beautiful. Um, to me, Hermione's whole th- the whole beauty of Hermione's character is that she is smart and strong and courageous and morally uh, capable. You know, to me, like her, her looks were secondary, I guess. Yeah. And so that distinction in character, I mean, that's what happens with any movie. But I always, I always wish that they had chosen, I don't know, I, I wish they had chosen a actress that was more similar to the role. But again, like, it's just, it is what it is with movies, I guess. Hmm. The other part, the other casting that I thought was good, but still like not what I had envisioned in my mind was actually for um was actually for uh Voldemort. Ooh. They don't, okay. they don't they don't really show him in this movie as a physical form. Right. Right? But to me, like Voldemort had I don't even know what I thought he was supposed to look like in my head. You know, I I guess this kind of gross this grotesque, you know, slimy, almost skinless character with these big green, terrible, terrible eyes. Mm-hmm. Or they, they mentioned actually red. They mentioned red eyes that he has, like almost a dark maroon. But I don't know, like for me, the, you know, Quirrell I thought was okay, but Voldemort is never as scary as I imagine he is in the books. Yeah. And so well, even when that, that scene where Quirrell, you know, you see Voldemort has been living on the back of his head. <laughs> I wish that had been scarier and I wish that it had been done differently. Like, you know, a, I don't know, almost a, a festering pus filled sore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I, you know, he is dealing with disgusting, dark magic. Like it's supposed to be this sort of, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a too big of a fan of like dark souls, but I, I wish it had been more grungy. <laughs> Kids movie, but yes, I can see where you're coming yeah, I know, from. I know, <laughs> but I'm an adult now, okay? I can handle it. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, you're, you're, you're saying that, and I'm like, I don't know what I envision Voldemort as now that I'm thinking about it. Like after the movies, it's sort of that kind of is what sort of circumvented what I, what I had before. He, he never was given a form outside of the movies, right? Because yeah. that's that's true of a lot of these characters, like. These characters were made, and then I think the – I don't know if – you know, it's you get to the point where it's sort of a chicken and the egg thing, right? She was working on these books as the movies were being made. So – but, you know, I'm sure that she had – I mean, she evidently has a whole uh, almost Tolkien-esque kind of legendarium, <laughs> which is the name of this series. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, 
you know, she has books and books of stuff that's written about this that's now being released on Pottermore. But for Voldemort, I I almost wish that we had been given a different view of him. Although the one that we got on on screen was great, I wish that it had been different. I mean, the same thing for, I don't know, this is like skipping ahead movies. Sirius Black, for me, does not look like he does in the movie. That's a tough one for me, and I'll and I I'll, yeah. I'll touch on that once we get to that that yeah. that episode because that 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 was a I I have a very complex answer for that 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 I'm not going to get into yet, but so stay tuned. Um, but no, I I, I I will agree with you with that one, but I'm just going to leave it as I I agree with there there is stuff with Sirius Black I want to vent, but not yet, not yet, sir, and ma'am, and people listening. But no, I, 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 like I said, I mean, it's the, the problem is we're interpreting this from a book, which is all of our own imaginations, which yeah. from what I got from what you're saying, Chris, I feel like it's they live is is your ver- version of Voldemort is where where uh, Roddy Roddy Piper puts on the glasses and he sees the, you know, the, the, the alien invaders with, you know, the not the skin on their face. I feel like that's the version of Voldemort you saw was sort of that. I don't know. I mean, I think. In my mind, Voldemort was – I mean, that's the thing. I really can't even think of it outside of Ralph Finney's yeah. portrayal, right? Like that is what I think of now is this kind of snake-ish looking character. I think he didn't have – I think – so in my head, his face was more skull-like. His his body was sallow and pale and sickly looking. Yeah. Right? He had no muscle tone. He had no body tone. He was this shriveled, um, almost husk. a walking corpse. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a, a husk of a person with this, you know, almost like a walking skeleton who still had this immense power around him. Right. Mm-hmm. That to me is what Voldemort looks like. Um, you know, and I think they kind of got there with the face. But again, to me, it's. You know, this kind of magic is supposed to be is supposed to do something terrible to your body yes. in the books, and I don't I don't really know if they portray that in the movies as well as they could have. Like I, I, I said, I, I think we're we're on the right point, but the problem is, sadly, kids' books. Yeah, at yeah. times. Um, another great casting thing before we move on from that, uh, Malfoy, and of course, I think the oh. entire Malfoy family was was very well done with them just being just the like perfect casting of that and and actually out of the child actors I think in this movie he probably did one of the best jobs of just oh, Mal- capturing the character immediately. Malfoy was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's so good. He was so perfect in this. He was so perfect throughout all of the movies really. And yeah, I mean, there's he looked exactly like I thought he would. Same actually with uh with Crab and Goyle. <laughs> right, his buddies. I, they I thought they looked the dumber. Too. Really, I thought they were like perfect, and that's actually another casting thing that I wish had been differently. I thought that the Dursleys were really good, but I wish that um, I wish that Dudley had been fatter. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Pulling out the stops. Ooh. No, he's supposed to. I, mean, I know he is. He like, he is. Yes. Yeah, like he's supposed to only get to be like relatively husky in like the fifth book when he takes a boxing right but as a kid he's like this eric cartman-esque fat you know <laughs> jerk oh right? my gosh i need to rewatch the movies kid. and just think of it being eric cartman oh instead oh my gosh 
Where's my computer game, man? <laughs> it's, it's that is what Dudley is like. Uh um I, I I will be remiss if I do not point this out. Because I, I know one person, David David Ginsburg, will immediately jump on me for this, um, if I don't. So I'm gonna do it now while it's still in my mind. I don't tag it at the end. Um, for a movie that, of course, is based on a book. This soundtrack became so iconic to where just even a few notes of it is instantly recognizable. And that's something that carried through the entire series. So the, the um, of course, the score for this movie, I just want to point out, is amazing and so well done. And no, something, John, something I, I did, sorry, sorry, real quick. Something I didn't notice until watching it this time, when they go up to Hagrid, when they confront him about the who gave him the dragon's egg, I'd never notice he's playing the um, song in the recorder. The oh really? Yeah, he's playing the the theme song. Yeah, yeah. The theme he's playing the theme oh, song wow. on the recorder. I that this this has one of the best movie soundtracks of all time, um, outside of Home Alone. <laughs> Fight me, um, John Williams did a tremendous job. I yeah no it, I actually listen to it at work still. Like I'll listen to it during the day when I'm like trying to get something done. I'll listen to the Harry Potter soundtrack because it's so magical good. and inspiring. It's, it's a it's a honestly movie scores have become almost the area where we have some of the best classical music composition. Yeah, you know that that occurs today. I mean, it's they're so good and yeah, he's this this is one of the best. I like, like I said, it's just it became so iconic, and I know that there's stuff like you know Jurassic Park, Star Wars, um, Indiana Jones, and Harry Potter. I'm like it just ranked right up there because they instantly created such a perfect score to go with it, and something mm-hmm. that I don't see Harry Potter now without that score. Mm-hmm. And I'm even when I, when I read the books, I swear it's kind of I'm I'm playing that that music <laughs> in my head or over a speaker while I'm reading too. So. <laughs> So that's 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 definitely another thing. Like I said, I wanted to make sure we talked about the score because I know we've done previous ones of these. We don't ever talk about the music, and this one has such an iconic one. I know we get railed if we did not speak of it. But Ellie, I'm, I'm sh- you've 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 been chomping at the at the one to say something. I have. Oh, I sorry you you've I I, 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 <laughs> I I've been, like... sorry I've been noticing she she's been like going over her paper and stuff like that. No, so I'm I just... just looking around. Oh, okay. I was, set, I was setting you up if you had anything. <laughs> I don't need a setup. Thank you very much. No, she's good. You know what? I Actually, I just <laughs> thought of this. Sid, I just thought of this because we're doing this episode. This week as I was driving to work, I saw a car on the road with the um, with a Harry Potter sticker with the license plate uh, Crucio. Ooh. Right? Which is one of the spells that is – it's one of the three uh, forbidden Unfor- spells, yeah. right? It's uh, Crucio. It's – uh, Avada Kedavra and uh, or Kedavra, I, I can never say that one right. And then um, what's the other one that lets you control someone? That, oh, uh, oh. Okay, this the here's the point where we get yelled at by everyone listening. I don't know okay, off the top of my so, head. <laughs> anyways, so this that spell though is like it just causes excruciating pain. Yeah. And I remember driving past the car, like I'm not even sure if it was spelled the right way anymore, but I remember driving past the car and kind of like looking at the driver being like, oh, Dark Wizard. <laughs> You're so evil. You know what I mean? Like, you never use that spell. <laughs> like it's so evil. Come on. So I guess we're on impact on culture in the series now. Um yes. people and their bumper stickers. 
No, I mean, the, of course, this was the beginning of, of course, the Harry Potter movie franchise, and we all know where it went from there, and this series is going to go on with that, but I feel like Harry Potter is, um, I know everyone is like, Star Wars was such a lightning-in-the-bottle thing, and it's like, no, I feel Harry Potter's like the newest incarnation of that. Well, I mean, until Harry Potter... I don't feel like there was such a big focus on the teen or early that, adult genre. That ever-elusive young adult genre. No, but you know what and I'm kid, saying, kids though. Kids to young adult. Because this, this transcended. There's the Hunger Games now. There's the Lightning Thief. Like, all of those books and the two movies that they made off of those books. I don't they, think They should have made more. I agree. Don't get me started on that series. Another time. Another time. Um, I could just, uh, like the, um, oh, the Maze... Maze Runner? Maze Runner. Like, there's so many series. Yes, Divergent. I I don't think any of those, like, Harry Potter, I really believe, is the reason why a lot of that genre-style books were made to movies, because they're like, oh, it, they can work. The, the, the fantasy and the magic and all the different stuff, like, they can... They can make it big. So, so. for better or to worse, Harry Potter's to blame for <laughs> what is either the greatest revolution in cinema or the worst thing to come to cinema, depending on who you're asking. Well, no, I'm like I said, I'm not saying they're all good movies. I'm just saying like it. It's nice that that opened the minds for a lot of people to to start doing that. So a lot more of those type of movies were made because mm-hmm. of this series. I Honestly, I think that the so. I think Harry Potter in some ways... So, I always thought that there was a straight line between Harry Potter and the Books of Magic by Neil Gaiman. Have you guys ever read that comic series? No, I've, I've heard of it several times, though, and it's so probably something I should. They're my favorite comics of all time. They're amazing. They're so good. I, I think they're even better than Sandman. Ooh, and they, they talk about a British kid who lives kind of in the slums who wears circular glasses and, you know, is kind of punky and whatever, who learns that he's a magician and and, and has this special power and, and all this other stuff. And so in some ways, I always thought that the two were connected because they have similar motifs, similar styles, whatever. I'm not even sure if – I think Books of Magic came out before Harry Potter, but I'm actually not even 100%, 100% certain on that. But the two are interrelated. But I think that with Harry Potter, it, it almost started off its own – series of like Harry Potter-esque stories, right? You have um and it's it's we see these tropes a lot in like kids movies and TV shows where we have people sorted based on their personality traits into you know groups that are represented by elements or magical types or oh, yeah, even true. colors or animals or whatever, right? We see, um, we see a person plucked out of nothing who realizes that they are the most important, the singular person in the world who can make big changes. We see, you know, this great evil that is, you know, responsible for a tragic outcome in the hero's beginning. Harry Potter hits a lot of those themes, mm-hmm. but it also kind of does it in an interesting way and does it in a way that does not seem, um, it does not seem tropish. It does not seem kind of cliche, right? Whereas some of those other books like Divergent or The Hunger Games or The Maze Runner or whatever, to me at least, 
always seemed very like, oh, yeah, I know, I get it. You're you're special. I understand that. <laughs> you know, Harry Potter had almost an earnestness to the storytelling and a seriousness of the storytelling in the world that it never felt like it was written almost as, you know, either a romance book prepackaged as a post-apocalyptic thriller <laughs> or sort of a uh, or sort of a kind of drenched in you know, cliche story. But then again, like my wife always points out to me, she's like, you know, the reason why you think Harry Potter is better than some of these other ones is because you identify with Harry Potter as a, uh, as a male, as a, you know, as a kid who grew up in not great circumstances. Like to me, I wondered like Harry Potter just hits a lot of things for me, Yeah. but I do wonder, I do wonder though, what role almost, and this isn't to say that JK Rowling had this in mind or anything like that at all, but I do wonder you know, would a – I find it interesting that socially we're kind of conditioned to think that a female version of the story is like cliched and tired and silly. And maybe that's because they've always been done that way. But I would love to see a good version of that done. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just – I find it interesting. I just – you made me realize something. And I'll we, we will make sure to do this at the beginning from now on. Ellie, do you remember what house you got sorted into when you took the test? <laughs> oh, man. Because I, I just realized, I'm like, we need to have all of our guests <sighs> tell us what house they would have been sorted into, because yeah, I remember which sure. one I'm in. I When I, um, there was a big bookstore, I don't know if we want to name names, but mm. that I was at one of the release parties for, and they had one of the sorting hats that actually talked and did yeah. stuff, and they put me in Slytherin. Uh, I know. Oh, come on. I'm in Slytherin too. Don't say, oh. Uh, oh, no. Come on. I don't want to be I remember Slytherin. correctly. Not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. Not oh, Slytherin. <laughs> if I remember correct, and yes, that, that, that does fit you perfectly, Chris. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yes, yes, the, the evil laugh does not help your case. Um, if I remember correctly from the test I took, I think I landed in Gryffindor. Which, once again, if there's someone who's going to know that, right or wrong, uh, David, you can 100% call me out on that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so going forward, we'll make sure that when we do, our, we have our guests, we'll also make sure to get what house they were put into. But being ever ready as he is, our Slytherin knew exactly where he went. Oh, please. When that when those tests first started coming online, I was like, yes! I found out immediately. <laughs> I remember, for me, it was like... I think I was a 50-50 split between Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Mm -hmm. The first, like, every, because so I've taken, like, a bunch of these, because, again, I'm a huge nerd. Like, so <laughs> it's, like, 50% of the time I'll get Ravenclaw, 50% of the time I'll get Slytherin. Um, with Slytherin, the reason I think that I fit it really well is because of the ambition and the drive to kind of get, or the drive or will to kind of see your ideas succeed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. That's sort of the defining characteristic of Slytherin or it's supposed to be. And that drive in history can often be used for good. Um, so, for instance, when, you know, Merlin was a Slytherin, supposedly, oh. or, it can be used, or it can be used for great evil, such as Voldemort. Right. So. Um, so I, I think it's interesting. But, you know, uh, I, I think that ambition kind of thing, I, I mean, that fits me very well. All right, so I guess some bullet points for our guests to answer, and of course we can answer too. Um, do you consider the Harry Potter series a Christmas mo Christmas movies? 
I mean, Oof. no. You're okay. You're you're gonna answer no every time on this. By the way, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. I, I just want to ask because every time I see it, they all, I know that it takes place during the school year, and I know Christmas is a part of it, but it's just for some reason these movies always ring as Christmas movies to me. Like really? something I I, I would watch during the holidays. Do you, oh okay okay. Maybe that's because they're on ABC Family all the time during the holidays. Or, or maybe you could just turn around to the bookshelf, I mean the movie shelf, and just grab it off of there. That too. Yeah. I was going to say, in that case, actually, I think they're like Thanksgiving movies for me. Um, because, like, we watch them around Thanksgiving, or I usually will watch one of them around that time of year if I'm going to. But I would say, like... No, I mean, in the books, Christmas is, like, one of the saddest times of year because Harry's alone. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like one of those yearly reminders that he has no family. Like, it's like an, an anti-Christmas movie. <sighs> You're a jerk, singer. <laughs> okay, you. I'm bringing it down. Sorry, everyone. Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. My last thing for our guest before we go and move on for final thoughts. Or I guess, I guess we've kind of done final thoughts and everything. I don't know if you had anything left um, while you're checking out Ellie. Um, Chris, we all know you as someone who is very into the field of ufology or UFOs yes. and everything. Is it possible in your, in your professional opinion as a UFO guy? Not the UFO guy or your UFO no. guy. That's somebody else. Um oh, Yes, that is Rob. Um, is it possible that UFOs are actually just wizards flying on broomsticks? Um, I and, wish that was true. And th okay. that's how they disguise themselves. Actually, actually, <laughs> you bring up a much better point than I think you mean to, which is, uh, which I mean, kudos on that. That's amazing. The, um, I wasn't even trying. <laughs> okay, no, you did great. Okay, actually, the stories of the stories of people being plucked out of their beds by witches on the way to the Sabbath are very, very similar in uh, tone in the way that they occur in some of the specifics, even to UFO abduction cases. So we often hear about UFOs that come down in robes and vast robes and they, they take someone out to the woods where they have to sit inside a circle and then they are, are transported instantaneously up into the sky, right? All of those are things that are represented again and again and again in stories about being flown to the Black Sabbath. So actually, there is a large school of thought that thinks that that very idea, maybe maybe couched in an anthropological way, is less ridiculous than I think you mean it to be. I was just trying so, to yeah. be funny. <laughs> no, I'm, you you have accidentally funnied yourself into a whole world of interesting anthropology. I feel like that's a rabbit hole we could go down <laughs> one day, but congrats. Yes. Um, no, I, I, I just, I just wanted to do it. Cause I, I was like sitting there and I'm like, I want to get a good question for, and I'm like, Oh, I, I got it. I'll be like, could, could wizards be real? And we're just, we just see them as UFOs. That's they, they cast a UFO, um, a cast and they fly around and we just see UFOs instead. That, that was a terrible naming of a spell. That's Don't give me really that look, bad. Ellie. Wow. Don't give me that look. I don't know what to say. <laughs> UFO kiss. Oh my. Do you have any final thoughts or are we going to go to break? I mean, I don't know after that craziness. Harland is coming back to Xbox One. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we were going to go an entire episode without you mentioning uh, Elder Scrolls, but, but Everybody yes. Everybody get excited. I can't wait. I, am, I cannot, I cannot wait. 
When I play them on the computer, I always start modding them like crazy until they're unrecognizable. You know, I'm 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 Spider-Man fighting with a Thomas the Tank Engine sword. Now, I, I'm going to be limited to the game world using the Xbox. I hope that they retain the uh, black white black white button uh, cheat code for unlimited health and stamina and stuff. And I am I'm so excited. Um, on that note, I know that there was a post on Twitter about us doing a follow-up Legendarium to more focus on Skyrim. Oh, we have to do it. So, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, like, soon, but I have, I just got com- confirmation that, yes, he will do it. So, there you go. Well, and we should have our teenage daughter on, because as she quotes, she's a stealth god. Ugh. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to go... We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up uh, this Harry... Our first... Actually, no, 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 no. Final thing. Is it Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone? You know, Philosopher's Stone makes me think of... Full Metal Alchemist. Yes. Yes. It does. So... I try to say Sorcerer Stone just because that's to kind the, of in, that's that's the that's the colonies version. <laughs> yeah, so I, I say Sorcerer Stone just because Philosopher Stone is is my anime brothers over there. So yes. What about you, Chris? Which is it for you? Which is, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm too I'm too excited about here. I'm too excited about Morrowind. <laughs> we distracted him too much. I ain't got an answer. All right. Well, like, like I said, that's that's. I know that there is some changes from the English to the American versions, and that's one of them. I the same way as you, Ellie. I I f- take the Philosopher's Stone into Full Metal Alchemist more so, even though I I do like. That's what we should do. We should have a legendarium of. No, stop. No, okay, uh, not enough legendariums for one day. Okay. I don't want to give our listeners Full too Metal many. Full Alchemist. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness! How, how do you okay. do it? I don't know. So actually, I <laughs> we started I actually, something. Sorry, yeah. you did. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I okay. I actually really liked. I actually really liked uh, the Philosopher's Stone name mm-hmm. because it does lead back to so much actual magical history. Yes. But I thought that it, the Sorcerer's Stone. Call, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they would change it. It's so silly, but I don't know. It, it, I feel like someone's going to point out why they changed it, but I mean, for me, I, 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 I can get it both. I understand it both ways. I'm kind of okay with it now because I've been so used to it. But I just remember, like when it was coming out, there's like people that were like, "Oh yeah, in Europe, it's called the, the, the philosopher Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone." I'm like, why would they change it? Yeah, so it seems so oddly specific and nonsensical to change it, but but honestly, though, Harry Potter got banned in like a lot of schools. Yeah, so it was it teaching the well witchcraft. Be, yeah, it could very well be that because of its link to actual witchcraft in the name, that they had a they they thought they should change it. Yeah, well, we're gonna go to a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're gonna be wrapping up this episode. An old wine cabinet said to be possessed by a demon which invokes nightmares and physical harm. An island full of giant rabbits, said to appear once every seven years off the coast of Ireland. A rural family that in the dead of winter walked one by one into their barn, but never walked out. The world is full of fascinating mysteries, and the Blurry Photos podcast sheds light on the darkest corners of the unknown. With a new storytelling-focused format, Blurry Photos brings legends to life 
and examines if there's any fact behind the supposed fictions. Join me, David Flora, as I explore the unexplained and explain the unexplored on the Blurry Photos podcast. All right, and we're back. We're going to wrap some things up. But, of course, as always, we want to thank our guests, uh, Chris, for being on today. Or, sorry, Professor Magic Pants. Yes. Thank yes. Professor you. Magic Pants. Yes. yes. Um, where can people find... <laughs> Why do more? I go to Square Pants on that? SpongeBob. Uh, yeah, enough. <laughs> We've had too many other references today. <laughs> That's a legendarium. <laughs> We've hit critical mass. The deep, the deep SpongeBob lore. Ugh. All right. <laughs> wow. Sorry to all the SpongeBob fans. No, there. it's 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 Jeez. just it's just the the, oh my the, gosh. the the deep SpongeBob lore. I'm like, I don't know if that's the that that's a shallow pool, if that's the Mariana Trench. <laughs> oh I don't gosh. know where that's I beauty. that's the beauty. That's the beauty. I don't know either. Who knows? There might be miles of content on the internet somewhere about how, you know, I don't know. Where does he live? I think there actually was a whole big thing about where he lived. It is supp- I don't know. So there's supposedly, if you want to get into the dark um, creepypasta, and I don't know why I know this off the top of my head, it is actually they are mutated from the Bikini Atoll um, nuclear experiments. I, because the... Did you say creepypasta? Yes. Don't stop. I, I'll, I'll explain it to you after we're done. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, she has a creepy pastas. No. She doesn't, and I was trying to avoid. Uh. <laughs> I was like, "What? We should do a whole thing on those." Look at all these ideas we're getting. Dude, bring me on for Slenderman. Let's do it. <laughs> Zing this after dark. Halloween, October. <laughs> I will. I don't. Uh, October. I, October. Can I say something? You don't internet hard enough. I feel like. We shouldn't have to be confined to just October. I, we can. Oh, well, wait. We were. I. Yeah, sorry, we are but, far but, away from ending this show. I apparently. <laughs> straight. This is straight. Uh, yes. Um. For everyone who came to enjoy Harry Potter, enjoy the rest of this. Um. No, we were just um behind the scenes stuff. Um. We we are starting to do dark myths. Um. Group chat calls and um, Ryan from um. Rumor flies mentioned that we should have more than one Halloween a year. That's, I mean, I'm okay that, with that. that Halloween one just isn't is enough. Like, Halloween is one of my top two favorite holidays. So yeah. So I guess with Ellie's um, amazing pointing out of not knowing what creepy pasta is because she does not internet <laughs> hard enough. I don't. I have four children will, to take care of. <laughs> we will at some point, I guess, do a creepy pasta episode. I'm, I'm excited. As, I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm excited. Okay. Nobody tweet at her. Nobody do anything. <laughs> she will not. Know, she will not look it up herself. I will be we coming will in do an episode blind. I have with no her idea. completely blind. Yes. But the creepy pasta on SpongeBob. Just to wrap that up, is supposedly they're all mutated from the experiments at Bikini Atoll. That is why they're called Bikini Bottom. Wow. I'm. I want to know. Let's go. Let's do this. Not right now. We got. Okay. We got to finish Bye. this episode. Okay. We we gotta we gotta leave people hanging for whenever we finally pick this back up. Um, but anyways, thank you very much, sir, for being on. Um, it was a pleasure to have you. Where can people find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at the Mad Scientist Podcast dot com. You can find me at Mad Scientist Pod on Twitter. 
You can email us at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook, you know, everywhere, you know, all the, all, the, all the main ones, all the good ones. You know where to find us. We are the logo with a jack-o'-lantern, so it's easy to find. Yes, you have a really cool logo. I love the logo. Love Thank it. Thank you. Yes. And, and as for your co-host, Marie, um, she, will, she has bullied her way onto a future episode <laughs> of Zingness, by the way. She um, bullied. Yes, oh if you if you pay attention to the Twitter, she wants to do an episode discussing the upcoming solo movie. Of course. So me me It's gonna be awesome. Me me and her will have a um discussion on that before solo comes out. We'll, I'm we'll make a ton of predictions that will be completely wrong. So so sorry sorry to plug your <laughs> co host real quick, but I, I just wanted to, to point out that, that that is in the works as well. Oh, of course. Um, Marie's amazing. She, she is. She is. She is great. Team Giant Squid. Follow her on Twitter. Yes. Um, another thing I wanted to point out real quick is we are both part of the Dark Myths Podcast Collective. And as I pointed out earlier, we're working on stuff with Dark Myths. Um, one of the biggest things is there is what is called is being called the Dark Council, which we are getting several of the hosts of the Dark Myths shows together to discuss a topic. And we did one recently, which... Um, consisted of you me toby and twisted philly as well to discuss the mothman yes and that is available just search dark. i don't know i know they're available on itunes i don't know how available it is on other platforms yet but search yeah, dark actually, we need to work on that yeah yes yes we we uh, a little bit talking shop real quick yes we do need to work on that but um but yes, check that out, and there will be more coming where we will do more dark councils and other stuff. Where you'll, if you're a fan of dark myths, stay tuned. We we got we got some stuff in the pipes for you guys. But anyways, um, we got a few reviews to read real quick. Um, and and um, Ellie, if you would not mind, these are actually, I found out how to look up reviews from outside the U.S. So these come from our Canadian listeners. Yes, that is so exciting. <laughs> um. The title of the first one is Super Fun with four. Is it four? No, that's five stars. No, not the stars. Three. Oh. Sorry. Three exclamation points oh, at okay. the end. No, it's five stars. Of course Sorry. it's five stars. We're reading it. Five stars. Um, by OK Podcaster. They put, Zing This is an awesome crossroads between the world of comics, movies, the paranormal, and so much more. Zinger and Ellie do a great job as hosts, and they bring on a lot of awesome hosts from other podcasts, which is really cool. Great job, guys. Oh, Jesus. I'll pronounce it if you <laughs> mess it up. Don't worry. <laughs> great job, guys. Love the Rindlesham Forest episode with our strange skies. Great job. Oh, gosh. That was that was scary. Yes. Um, they are referring to our episode with uh, Rob from Our Strange Skies, where we talked about the Rendlesham Forest incident. Oh my god, I said it right? Yeah, you did. I didn't correct you. <laughs> That's you so got cool. Alright, um, next one from our Canadian brethren. Awesome show is the title by Gimme Monsters 1. So this one is Love This Show, just added to the regular podcast list. I like the comic side of thing, and the discussions are always fun. I'm subscribed. So follow like that person and subscribe. Also, here's from our United States side. Awesome Podcast is the title of this one. And there's a name. I, I know it's a weird one. <laughs> I don't... Salix84 is what I'm going with. I'm sorry right, if it's not right. Close enough. Okay. Close enough. 
This podcast walks me through the memory lane and even got my heart when they got nostalgic for my favorite, oh, favorite game, Mass Effect. I enjoy this every night, so you will too. That's so exciting. Another Mass Effect fan. Yes. So thank you very much for the reviews. We greatly appreciate them. It does help out the podcast a lot. Um, Once again, I want to thank Chris Cogswell for being on and discussing... Sorry, Dr. Chris Cogswell for being on yeah, and discussing. Yeah, title. Sorry. I'm, I'm too thinking much thinking of Professor Magic Pants, which is just funny now. Which I, I think I'm just going to randomly call him that. But um, anyways, I want to thank him again for being on. Um, we will, of course, be returning next month with the next installment, Harry Potter and the... Chamber of Secrets. But until then, you can, of course, find us. We're part of Dark Myths. You can find me talking Star Wars every week on Knights of Vader Podcast. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play. iTunes. And if it's on iTunes, as we just said. Give us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at. Zing this. And you can also go to at. Zing this podcast for Instagram. Yes, and you can find pictures and collages we do, and probably going to get some more behind-the-scenes stuff soon on there. Uh, if you want to go to patreon.com slash... Zing this. We, um, you can contribute to the podcast, and we actually are starting to do, for the $1 level, um, little episodes, like quick little reviews of movies we go see that we are not going to do full episodes on. Uh, for example, Ellie will be discussing The Quiet Place this week. It's just Quiet Place. Uh, did, did I say The Quiet Place? Yes. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Ellie will be discussing Quiet Place. I just place. tweeted it. Yes, um, you'll be discussing that this week. It's going to be about a five-minute episode of just her quick review of it. Since I am actually not seeing that movie, I will be discussing on a n- separate one for our $1 level, Isle of Dog. Mmm. So. Urf. Exactly. So you can check those out, of course, on our Patreon. Uh, if you want to email us directly, it is zingthis at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our Public site with some awesome zingnessified logos. Yeah. You want to deck yourself out with all the latest styles of zingthis. Yeah. You can yeah. go to tpublic.com slash zingthis. Our sound guy is A.A. Ron. Our logo is done by Chris Singer with modifications by Toby from the Secret Transmission Podcast. And finally, DJ Golden Boy. 89. Play us out.